You're listening to Live 360 with Tony Sutherland, and this is episode 10. Hey guys, welcome to today's special episode of Let's Talk About Racism. Now, I I do want to kind of introduce and preface some things um, as we get into this episode. And I'm inserting this in the middle of um, just a very, very painful, difficult time going on around us. Uh, I want to encourage you to stay hopeful, stay positive, stay grounded Don't focus on the catastrophes and the difficulties and the pain around you. Keep your eyes on Jesus at all times. It helps us keep our perspective, our balance, our direction. Um, When every wind is blowing around us and we follow that, we end up being lost. But if we keep our eyes on Jesus, we'll experience peace and joy to the fullest, even in these times. I just want to encourage you, God hasn't left the throne. He hasn't vacated his position He's still working all things together for our good, Romans 8 and 28. His promises have not changed, and he hasn't changed his mind about you. He hasn't reconsidered his plan or his purposes for you. His plan is still in motion. And just because God is silent doesn't mean he isn't present. You know, I've always said that just because there's clouds in the sky doesn't mean that the sun is not there. Let's just avoid going dark. I see that happening a lot on social media. I see it happening in our communities. People are just going dark. You know, this uh, COVID-19 pandemic, along with uh, the issues surrounding racism and inequality and police brutality and the mistreatment of, uh, you know, our, our black American brothers and sisters has caused us to be very angry and frustrated and And many are responding emotionally. They're letting their emotions take control. I've always believed that passions out of control result in lost opportunities. And we can't let that happen. We've got to keep our wits about us. We've got to keep our mind. We have a sound mind. We can't let ourselves uh, respond to our emotions and be led by our emotions. It's okay to be emotional. But we can't be led by our emotions. You know, let's not go dark. Let's remember there's a call of God on the church in Isaiah 60, verse 1 through 3, arise and shine. You see what it's saying there? It's saying, don't let the light go out. Let's continue to be the light in these times. Let's not not go into darkness and become the darkness. If we're going to go into the darkness, let's shine the light like we never have before. Let's let it shine brighter than any time before in our lives. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And it says right here, For behold, darkness will cover the earth, and deep darkness the people's. But watch this, but the Lord will rise upon you and his glory will appear upon you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. If the church isn't going to be the light, how are we going to change the 
the atmosphere and the environment and the culture around us? How are we going to impact culture and transform culture if we are not the light? So let's, as we discuss this, as we talk about racism, as we talk about this very uncomfortable issue, let's continue to be the light and let's get our emotions and our passions under control so that we can truly lead this generation. We have a responsibility. I have a responsibility to lead people around me in these times. I can't be led around. I have to lead. And so if I'm going to lead, I've got to be the light because the light is what will lead others toward Jesus. Um, Remember, Our message is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our message is the hope and the grace that is found only in Jesus Christ. All right, so let's jump right on in. Um, Before we dive in, I want to talk a little bit about my childhood. You know, most of my life growing up, I had mostly black friends. I don't know why. I just had black friends. Every school I was in, I seemed to fit into that community. That's where I uh, felt my people. And that's where I was most of my life, hanging out and making friends with, with, with black Americans. And I just don't know. I can't explain it. Um, my parents even had problems with it at one point in my life. They asked me in my high school years, they sat me down one day and said, we're not we, we don't understand why you don't have any white friends. And it wasn't, they weren't being negative. They weren't being, you know, uh, you know, they weren't hating on black people. My parents love black people. My parents had friends that were black. It was, it was never an issue with them, but they were just concerned that I never had white friends. And, uh, Interestingly enough, I, uh, you know, one of my leadership roles is uh, I'm a worship leader, worship director of one of our campuses here at my local church in Atlanta, Georgia. And we have small group discussions with our choir every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. We've been meeting on Zoom um, and we've been encouraging one another during this uh, pandemic shutdown quarantine. And we've been meeting and they've been great times. And recently, We've just had some honest and open discussions because of the things surrounding us right now. Um, The death of George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery and uh, so many black Americans who have been uh, uh, treated unfairly, especially by uh, our law enforcement. We've seen it happen so much. And um, so we've just been honest and discussed this, some great mature unified discussions around these issues. And our choir director is a black woman who grew up in mostly white neighborhoods and white uh, communities her whole life. And her best friends were mostly white her whole life. And her parents asked her the same question when she was younger, we're concerned or we don't understand why you don't have more black friends. So I find it interesting that here's a white man and a black woman leading a music ministry together who have similar experiences and yet race and culture weren't as much of a problem for us growing up. So um, it's interesting that we can lead together with the same kind of a background and the same kind of a situations growing up. And recently with all of this breaking out, I I have been um, thinking a lot about my high school years, how that my, uh, my best friends 
were black and we had a music group together. We sang in high school and we um, did Christian music performances uh, right there on our high school campus. And we traveled around in our uh, local community doing events and church services and youth gatherings. And we were just two peas in a pod. I was the only white guy with, uh, in a group of two other black guys, and they, they called us the Oreo. I was the white guy in the middle. And our music was very diverse. It was very uh, urban. It was very pop. It was very, um, uh, it, it, you know, it just has, a, I, I, I kind of lean more toward a gospel flavor in my music anyway. For those of you that know me, that's kind of my, my uh, default um, in ministry and um so it, it, it never really even occurred to me that there were issues because we never, we never talked about these things in, in, our, in, our, uh, in our friendship. We, we never brought these things up. I, I, I realized I knew that there were um, underlying seeds of racism for many, many years, but we just never talked about it. So I never really got to know this side of my friends. And recently on Facebook, I was uh, reading, you know, just kind of scrolling through a little bit. And I saw my friend, Charlie, um, black American guy we used to hang out with in high school all the time, did music with, laughed with, joked around. We, we would meet each other at the locker in the hallways and just start singing acapella. That's the kind of friends we were. We just really did not discuss these issues. And I, and, and, and I, read one of his posts, and I want to read it with you. I want to share it with you because it's very profound. It's very revealing to me personally because we never discussed these things in high school. So I want to share it with you, and the title of it is called Growing Up in My World. So Charlie writes this profound writing called Growing Up in My World, and it says, A peach crayon was named Flesh, a light pink pantyhose, was called Nude. I can name on one hand the TV shows that featured blacks. The Jeffersons, Good Times, and The Mod Squad all had a black guy in it. Blacks were rarely in car commercials and hardly in luxury car commercials. In movies, blacks were the criminals being chased until They Call Me Mr. Tibbs came out. All my superheroes were white. Even pictures of Jesus were white. The Cosby Show was called Unrealistic for Black Families. There were no black quarterbacks, no black NFL coaches, and no black owners in the NFL, and there still aren't. The only other black students in my elementary school classes were my siblings. Teachers avoided eye contact during American history when talking about slavery. The N-word was never spoken to me in jest. My first black teachers were in high school in Germany. Maps in my classrooms didn't accurately display the size of African countries, but carried an asterisk saying, quote, is actually 600 times larger, end quote. Boxing was always a snapshot of the lower class. First Irish boxers, then Italian boxers, then black boxers, and finally Hispanics. Black inventions were left out of school history books. I never saw black politicians, pilots, bankers, and doctors. So I'll forgive you for saying that was a long time ago. I don't think racism still exists. All lives matter. I don't see color. You seem so angry. I thought we were past all this. You had a black president. What else do you want? You are so well-spoken. You sound white. And you look like Denzel Washington. But if you can try to understand, it wasn't a long time ago. Racism still exists. All lives do matter, just not equally. So don't freak when we draw attention 
to a group from time to time. Not seeing color usually means you only see in black and white. It's okay to be angry at the injustice that often impacts people like me disproportionately. We can't get past this until we all admit there is a problem. One in 220 years in a country that is only 244 years old, I am not holding out hope for 2,240. Language isn't a color, nor owned by one. I appreciate the compliment, but we don't all look alike. Now, you know, that was such a profound and powerful reading. And when I read it, I thought, why didn't we talk about these things when we were in high school together? Why didn't these issues come up? Well, I think partly part of it is because it wasn't a dividing factor for us as friends, but it was a painful part of their lives. And it was so painful that I believe Charlie just really didn't know how to articulate it with me back then. And I, part of me felt disappointed in myself in reading this. I thought, you know, I wish we would have had these conversations, but we did not And we're still great friends today. So while I was reading that, I thought, I want to respond to this. So this was my response on Facebook on a comment on one of the comments um, on his post. This was my response. What I hate to admit is that when we were all best friends in high school, none of this even occurred to me. In my heart, I knew there was a deep-seated history of racism in our country, but I felt that not saying anything about it was the way to keep peace and to focus on the good in our relationships. I felt then, as I do now, that the difference in our skin color didn't matter because we saw each other in a completely different light, the light of Christ. His light shined on your skin and my skin, and for a time in our lives, we were literally the same color in my eyes, and the same is true now. Although I see different colors, I don't see a color, I see a person. And to be honest, it feels like that so many of these issues have put a wedge in the relationships I once had with so many of my black friends because now they see me as the silent oppressor versus an outspoken loving friend. Maybe I haven't been as vocal as I should against racism, but I have always been vocal of my love for you and other great black friends that I've had throughout my life. I hate what this is doing to our relationships. I hate what this is doing to you. I hate what this is doing to so many of my black friends and our nation and that it has escalated to this point. You know I love you and have always believed that though we were brothers from a different mother, we were brothers from the same father. I've never felt any different about you and I hope you don't feel any different about me. Friends' lives matter. Hashtag. Hey guys, we're going to take a needed halftime here. I know this content is sensitive, but we need to hear it. We need to process what's happening in the world around us. We don't live on some island or some compound secluded away from life and politics and issues. We got to bring some resolve and some solutions to our dilemmas that we're facing in this generation. Jesus is the answer. He is the solution for everything. So we're going to keep our focus on him, but we're going to talk and have some discussions that are needed. And uh, as you're listening to this podcast today, if it's bringing some insight, if any of our podcasts have helped you, we want to remind you to subscribe and leave a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. These two things really help bring more awareness to the platform that God has given us. 
so that we can continue to share this content with as many people as we can so they can discover how to have peace and joy in every area of their life. So let's just step right on in. Let's boldly go back into the second half of this uh, episode and uh, let's really embrace what God is doing and how he has bringing some answers and some solutions to his people on how we can deal with the dilemmas that we're facing. So let's get it. Now, I've had to approach this episode with much prayer. This is not a knee-jerk reaction or me trying to get on some kind of bandwagon. Much of what I'm saying now is in response to being sensitive, to jumping out of my normal track of ministry, of production, of, uh, of what I typically do on social media as well in, as in my ministry travels. And I feel like it's important that I, that I get on the same page. And so I've prayed about this. I didn't want to just be another voice, but I wanted to be a voice in this matter. And so as I approach this, I want to give respect and honor and concern and compassion to the families of George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, and countless others that I can't even mention. But I'm here to tell you their lives, they will not be forgotten and their deaths will not be in vain. God is going to get the glory out of this and there is going to be good that comes of it. You know, um, we are in a season where we've seen so much police brutality against our black American community And I want to speak out about it. I want to be a voice in this. But I also want to be a light in this. I don't want to go dark with my words and my thoughts and my ministry. I want to continue to bring the light in every circle and sphere of influence and platform that I have. And I really believe that we need to be like children during this time. We need to go back to our early roots as children where this this we we loved each other in spite of who you were or where you were from we had an innocence about us and i really believe that for us to get answers to our prayers and to get godly perspective we got to come in as children humbly open hearts and open hands and not and and see past the things that divide us and look for the things that can unify us we we hurt together we and, and and as we hurt together Though we hurt together and have the same pains and the same concerns, we, we, we do process things differently. Uh, the, the different races see things differently. So we need to be able to look in the world, into the world of other people to try to understand, to seek to have some common mutual respect and understanding for what is going on. Because even though we see things differently, we can join hands and and walk together. You know, the scriptures in, in 1 Corinthians 12, 25 through 26 says that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. Do you understand that? If you're not hurting right now, if you're not a little bit angry, at least a little bit, if you're not concerned or have some level of compassion for the people around you, then I pray that God would help you understand this verse in reality. When your brothers and your sisters are hurting, you should be hurting. I am hurting. I am grieved 
by what I've seen, the videos that have played and the pain that this is bringing on my brothers and sisters in the black American community. I am grieved by this. I am hurt. I am appalled. I am angry. I won't allow my emotions to lead me, but I am angry. I am. There's been a little bit of vindictiveness in my heart to see some justice and to see some, some change in our country. We can't let this go on. We have got to be have a level of compassion that when our brothers and sisters are hurting, we hurt with them. The, the Bible says if, if, if one suffers, we all suffer. You know, if I stub my toe, my whole body reacts to it. If there's a certain pain in my arm or my chest or, my, or my, if I have a headache, if there's a pain in my body, my whole body reacts to it. It does whatever it can to alleviate the pain at that one area of my body. And right now, I believe our hearts are hurting. I believe that this pain and the, the, uh, the suffering and the injustice of our black American community is hurting so bad. I believe the heart of God is grieved and we should feel some heart pain right now. Now, let me, let me just say that this is a good thing that you are hurting because it is now time to give attention to that which is hurting and to bring some understanding and some love and some healing and some hope and some compassion so that we can find healing and unity in the body of Christ. And, and we hurt together. We cry together. We feel that same pain together. Now, let me say, just because you see things differently than your African-American community. Maybe you have some different perspectives of, of things. It doesn't make you a racist. There, there's a difference between prejudice and racism. I think we all have prejudices. I think we all have things we don't understand that cause us to act differently toward one another. But just because you don't see things similarly does not mean that you are a racist. It, it, it means that you need to have more discussions and more conversations to get on the same page and to understand one another. Um, this word racism is a very uncomfortable word for the church because we've, we've, we've wanted to be unified and we've wanted to be comfortable and we've wanted to be at peace with one another so we haven't discussed these issues. We didn't want to uncover anything or we, went, we didn't want to get into arguments or open up big cans of worms. and we, so, so we have, have avoided this conversation. It's been pretty silent on both sides. And I'm here to tell you today, it's time to get uncomfortable comfortable with being uncomfortable. I myself have just been very hesitant often to speak due to concerns that what I say is incorrect, it's invalid, it's invaluable or ignorant. And I don't understand. I don't know what a black person feels like when they're driving at night and the cop is behind them. I know the fear of a cop driving behind me basically because if I'm speeding, I'll get pulled over. I know that fear. But that fear is only amplified with some of our African-American community. When they're driving at night, they got to put their wallet on their dashboard and they got to make sure everything's ready so that if the cop does pull them over, that they'll be in a safe place. And I know black uh, friends of mine that have to drive prepared to be stopped because they're afraid to go out at night in the car. I've known black friends to have been pulled over uh, unfairly and questioned unfairly. And so I've been hesitant to speak because I feel like sometimes my language isn't correct. My terminology isn't correct. Sometimes when I say something, it may appear that I have deep 
prejudices. And so I be, I'm quiet because I don't want my words and my, my life to be misunderstood. But, but in order for us to have good communication, we have to get our words out on the table. We have to just go ahead and say it. And recently, my conversations with my black friends and my uh, uh, black community within my church have been so welcomed and so graciously received. And I've, I've, had, I've gotten some really good clarity in talking with people. In fact, some of my black friends are saying, you know, it's okay if you say that. We understand that. We're not, we don't hold you liable for those words, but it's time for us to talk. And I got to tell you, I've been very encouraged and very hopeful lately in talking and getting these conversations out. I, I really feel like these fears that I've had over the past several years have been unfounded because I've created this fear inside my mind. You know, sometimes, again, we've talked about this in past episodes, we manufacture conflict. But right now, as we are talking and we are having honest and open discussions and conversations, I'm finding myself to be very encouraged and very relieved that there is more unity in our in, in our church and in our community than ever before. But sometimes not speaking about things and not having conversations about things creates this idea of division. But once you start talking and once you start having honest communication with one another, you find out how close you really are. And God is, God is showing up in our conversations. Jesus is bringing us together when we understand where one another where we're coming from and our different backgrounds. And when we discuss this and we discuss our limitations and our, and our, and our uh, uh, inconsiderations of one another, when we discuss this and we get it out in the open, we start to see that we're really, really more tight than we've ever been. You know, honestly, I, I, I do see color. I think it's good to see color. I think in, in, in the past I've said, well, I don't see color, but you know, really, I think it's better that we do see color. And that's the beautiful thing about God. He loves diversity and variety. That's why he created the rainbow. That's why he created so many different colors and ethnicities and languages. And, and because he loves it that we see the diversity. Love, I've heard this statement, love is colorblind. No, love is not colorblind. Love sees color and loves anyway. And I'm here to tell you, I believe that racism is the most vile and evil of all sins because God created every race and he wants to redeem every race. Look at what 1 Timothy 2, 3 through 5 says. It says, this is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. Do you see that? It says, this is good and pleases God, our savior, who wants all people to be saved. If you are racist and you don't like another race and you are angry and hateful toward another ethnic group, that is the most vile sin of all because God, it pleases God that all men should be saved. He created everyone. He created every color. He created diversity and variety and he loves it all. And like God, we should love them all. Now we've got about five more minutes in this episode. And part two, we are really going to get specific about this word racism. And I'm going to use an acronym, and I'd like to, to introduce that acronym to you 
It's R-A-C-I-S-M. And the words of this acronym are real, accountable, cross, invitation, stand, and mission. Okay, now I'm going to briefly talk about this just so that you understand where we're going to go and set you up for our next episode. I knew this was going to take two parts. And, and, and I, want to, I want you to understand that even in recording this episode, I didn't have all my thoughts together. I didn't have every perfect word that I could say. I didn't have every perfect uh, analogy and perspective lined out. You know, because in, in times like this, you want to come in as prepared as possible because you don't want to say the wrong thing and do the wrong thing. Well, folks, I'm just going to be honest with you. If we're going to have this conversation, we have to not be afraid of saying the wrong thing because that's what brings clarity. If we do say the wrong thing, we can hear responses to that and adjust our way of thinking so that we can talk to one another with more respect and more honor. I don't have all the answers. I know that Jesus is the answer, but I want to be sure that I'm not guilty of holding things inside of me for fear that I'll say the wrong thing. We don't walk by fear. We walk by faith. And we need to have enough maturity with one another that we can have these discussions and these dialogues without worrying about if our words will be rejected. Maybe our words will be rejected, but we won't reject one another. You know, having a good relationship with somebody means that you have community, but you also have correction. You can't have community unless you have disagreement. You can't have community unless you're not on the same page as one another because you're going to be different. But if we can love one another and know one another's heart and get to know one another, then even in our disagreement, we can still be friends. We can still hang out. We can still walk together and love together and do life together. So this word racism, real, accountable, cross, invitation, stand, and mission. Let me explain, explain that briefly just to set you up for next time. You know, racism is a very real issue. It's not an agenda. It's not a political fabrication. This issue is real. There's been 400 years of systematic uh, discrimination and attack on the African-American community. It's time to be real and quit hiding behind this idea that it's not real. What are you talking about? Racism is over. No, racism is alive and well. It's very real. And then number two, we need to be accountable. We need to take personal account for our part in this issue. We got to quit finger pointing. We got to take account. The, the word accountability means the ability to take account. You can't really make a change unless you look in the mirror first. You can't make a change by trying to get others to see rightly. You have to see rightly. And then the letter C means the cross. You know, the cross is still the answer, folks. Christ is our, is our center drawing point. When we're different, when we think differently, when we act differently, we have to look to Jesus. We have to get our eyes on him and have his perspective, his heart. The cross brings us together. Christ brings us together. And then the, the letter I is an invitation. I believe right now in, in, in this season, we have an invitation to come together. The black American community is inviting us to get to know them. The black American community is inviting us saying, will you come and see 
will you come and help us? Will you come and be a part of our pain? Can you help us? There's an invitation going out, and I believe it's going out from God as well. And then the letter S means to stand. You know, for too long, we've stood on the sidelines. But now it's time to stand versus bystand. We can't be bystanders anymore. We We have to walk hand in hand and stand with those that are hurting, with those that are in pain, with those that are grieving. And we'll talk more about that next time. And then the letter M means there's a mission ahead of us. There is, there is more than just talk. There is more than just uh, discussions and conversations. That word conversations is being used a lot. I think it's time for more than a conversation. We have to get to a point where there is some action. There are some things that we must do for our black American friends and community and brothers and sisters. We have to do something. We have to do something. And we have to be very proactive. You know, God is always doing something. He doesn't just sit by and watch us from the throne and say, good job. And he, God is not a bystander. God is not just with us. He is working for us. Aren't you thankful that Jesus is doing something in our lives, that Jesus doesn't just stand by and kind of let things go as they are. Jesus steps in when he needs to and begins to work out situations on our behalf. And we have to do the same. We can no longer stand on the sidelines and do nothing. We have to jump in and be uh, and, 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 and stand and do something. There is a mission and we must find out, we must come to some action points where we actually do something for one another. Hey man, that's all the time we have left for today, but that's all right. We're going to continue with part two of Let's Talk About Racism in our next episode. And by the way, if you're listening to this and it's blessing you, it's encouraging you, we want you to subscribe, leave us a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, and share it with one or two people in your relationship circle that need to discover how to have peace and joy in every area of your life. And let me tell you something, when you open up your heart to discuss things that are sensitive with people, to reach out and help people, or even just listen more, you're going to have some peace and joy in your life. You're going to get some other perspectives that's going to open your eyes and bring more awareness to you so that you can be a stronger witness and a better connection and be Jesus in this dark world. Let's bring light to the darkness. Let's not keep bringing darkness, but bring light. You are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hid. Hey man, I'm excited about our next episode that's coming up. And until then, we'll see you.